So here's a message I've just received from EE and it says, uh, hi from EE, doing your best work means staying connected and staying healthy. That's super inspiring. <sighs> and then it goes on to say the Apple Watch Series 6 helps you do both. <laughs> um, good morning, good evening, good overnight, good, good afternoon. That's the one I was missing. Good um, on you. I'm, I'm Anthony. And I am JB. I didn't quite know where to go with that for a second. It's a simple like, thing, but yeah. I sometimes get a bit confused at my age. Sometimes you say Jonathan Bradley, other times you say JB. Uh, it's almost decided... like I've got too many options. Well, I used to be Anthony Price when you were always Jonathan Bradley, but you know, more recently I've I've decided to, to cut it back. But um, yeah. if if you are a, a regular to this podcast, um, you will know that this time of year, me and JB wind things down in readiness for the celebratory period of Christmas. Now, scarily, very scarily, we are over two years old now, this podcast, which no. is bonkers. Yeah, October... Good. 2019 we began this journey it feels um, like about 10 years it, it does but it also feels like yesterday doesn't it um so um next week we are going to do a um uh, it's our final one of the year if i'm not mistaken so we're going to do a uh, listener question special um so before we get into our usual small talk whilst you are before you get into the deep listening to me and jb talk beautiful beautiful stuff um, please do email us at globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com and ask us anything. It doesn't even have to be about leadership because this Christmas special, we like to do anything, um, essentially. <laughs> including hey, is this our, our Christmas special? No, no, next week is. But oh, I'm sorry. Saying, no, no. So, so, so email no, now because when we start talking about our subjects for this week, they then may forget to send us the questions. Yes. So next week is a listener question special please submit them. And in all of our live audiences, we are going to also tout this Ask Us Anything for the uh, end of year podcast, which will be jolly exciting, I'm sure. Um, anyway, meanwhile, back to today, um, for those of you listening um, in the future, as in as a recorded thing via our various podcast platforms, um, you join us in the depths of December. It's got really grim. It was, it was quite warm four weeks ago. It's now got cold and miserable. So um, you won't be able to see the beauty that is JB, but at the moment he has he has more layers than the Michelin man as we speak. He's got a hoodie, a dressing gown, his Ugg boots, a rugby shirt, a T-shirt, I believe, and he's using his headphones um, for warmth as opposed to auditory opportunities. I did have um, but, a I did have a hoodie thing. Yeah, there it is. how's how's the um, the you look like one of those E seventeen Christmas tracks now? Um, how how is the uh, the countdown to the big birthday continuing since our last podcast? Um, really well. Do you know what? I, I continue to get Christmas cards and sorry, birthday cards. <laughs> um, and I think it's because people forgot. Um, some people think that I'm actually older than I am, and sent me the wrong birthday, thinking that it was my. Okay, I'm just going to say, I'm, I, for the audience, if they ever saw me, they would be thinking, you're kidding. Well, you, cannot, can. mm. you cannot be 60. You cannot be serious. But what? yes, folks, I am 60. This 60 years of age. Crazy news. And for those uh, of you in your 30s and 40s, um, it takes a nanosecond to get to this ripe old age. A nanosecond. I don't know where to go with this comment, JB, because up until, you know, five years ago, I didn't know that you were turning 60. Um, now, I have the fortune... Do you want to still having... continue working with me? Otherwise, you're, the, you're, you're a bit ageist. Uh, I can't say any different on recorded, you know, that's the thing. So if this is I... being played in court now, um, I've never <laughs> said that. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I, I'm in my prime. Uh, it, it just bits are falling off and Wobbly things it. aren't working quite as well as they used to. Um, I went to the chiropractor yesterday. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, no, I'm not going that way. No, no. I, I, because I went to the chiropractor and I had a whole load of uh, measurements and scans done. And um, basically, I'm, I'm, I'm diagonal. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I am lopsided like the Tower of Pisa. And um, this has been going on. For about 20 years I'm just I'm gradually going over uh to one side I did have a, a suggestion as to why that may have occurred and it may actually be our collective fault that this has occurred 
Would you like ah. me to explain? What do you've accelerated my decline? Possibly. To one side. Well, possibly because as you know, I'm going to stand up now, which we never do on podcasts. So hopefully you can hear me. Do I need but, two too? Or um, no? no, no, possible. Let, let's see where this goes. But okay. um, for the for, but pre-COVID, JB and I toured the world for scarily nearly four years. But in, in our in our last two years of touring, it was relentless. We were, in fact, I think in 2019, I was overseas with JB 90 days and 130 days in total. It much was to my industrialized, wife's. industrialized. Our wife still kept with us amazingly. Exactly. Anyway, but but okay, during during the um the the live face to face things, JB used to talk about the importance of walking on your heels. Oh, when doing public speaking, because I've got left. If you're if you're running, yeah, you're kind of. Whereas if you're on your heels, yeah, so, Ant is now demonstrating running. But I think um, because of that, you're probably you're probably putting your heels in heels. That's what I think. That's what I think's been happening, JB. Right. So I think your diagonalism is because you've been instinctively permanently walking on your heels because you've said that's a sign of confidence. Walking on stage on your toes suggests you're about to run away. Well, you know, most people have a sort of in, you know, like an arch in their in their Foot. feet. Yeah. Um, I my left foot hasn't got much of one of those left anymore. The right one's just got a little bit, but the left is just sort of pretty much flat like a like a duck um but the right one's still got a little bit of an arch on it for audiences just joining us um we're just uh, doing a quick before we get into our leadership stuff we're just explaining about jb's diagonalism but so the thing is that it doesn't affect all my other faculties um so everything's fine everything's working fine and what's more i'm back on my exercise routine uh to make myself a little bit of a Peter Pan. Um, oh, I'll tell you a story. No, I won't tell you a story because it will just be, will be too much about me. But um, anyway, I'm doing my press-ups. I'm doing my plank. Um, I used and to do your plank relentlessly, didn't you, in the hotel rooms? Yeah, no. So the plank I is... I pulled my way back on. I've got to put it off again. I'm, I'm planking again and I'm, I'm doing press-ups and I'm also doing a new special roll-down which next time we meet up, I'm going to show you. Very exciting. Um, anyway, um, ladies and gents, uh, as you, as always, be, be aware, our podcast is a combination of topical conversations around leadership and our listener questions. Um, and we always like to devote at least nine minutes of our webinars, sorry, our podcast recording. Absolute nonsense. Talking, yes, guff. Um, anyway, this week, um, there's a few things. JB oh, yes. has, a, has, a, has a book he wants to talk about. I want to talk about... Um, an article, I think, in iNews, which for those of you who've heard of it, it's I think it's a British publication, but it tends to trend worldwide with most of its content, which talks about a lack of leadership being the cause of why the COVID pandemic has been so prolonged. Um, and also um, in one of our webinars this week, um, there was an audience member that was asking around how do leaders cope with pay rise conversations? Um, and we wanted to kick that subject round two. Um, there are listener questions, as ever, you can submit them at globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com. But be remember, next week we are doing a listener special live, which is where we are going to do nothing but listener questions for the full hour. So please do submit them if you have a question on anything leadership or anything about JB's diagonal back um, or his Ugg boots, which we were talking about um, before we went live. There you go. Where do we want to start, Mr. Bradley? Well, um, Plato. I beg your pardon? Pluto. Bit of, bit of Plato, not Pluto. Plato. Okay, um, you, you, you lead. So Plato um, set us off on this um, journey as man um, and that created this ancient battle uh, between the rational and the emotional brain, um, which then kind of got into um, this idea of the left brain and the right brain, the right brain being the more kind of creative uh, part of the brain um, and the left brain being more the rational part of the brain. Well, I have just, um, I'm halfway through this book, but I just wanted to, to raise it because it's fabulous. It is a brilliant book. It's by Lisa Feldman Barrett. And it's called Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain. 
um, seven and a half lessons about the brain. And uh, the way that she describes the brain is it's one brain gang. It's not a left side and a right side brain. It is one brain. Um, and she um, she's a, an eminent neuroscientist, by the way, and she's on top of the very, very latest uh, research and neuroscience information that's coming in. And she talks about the brain being a network. Uh, it's a network of neurons. And a neuron is, if you imagine it to be like a, a tree, um, and at the top of the tree, as you know, you've got all of those sort of branches. Uh, this is the neuron, and it's got little branches going out. Why are you laughing? <laughs> laughing at you. You look like you're about to do a kind of... A oh, I see. And so, so these are these are our little transmitters. Um, so if you imagine you've got you've got loads, you've got billions of these, Ant. You and I have got billions. You might have. I've got a few hundred thousand. No, 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 Ant. You've got you. Oh, seriously, mate. You've got billions of these things. They're little trees in your brain, and they at the top in the branches. There's lots of transmitters. And then, stretching this uh, metaphor a little bit, you've got the the trunk. Um, and that trunk is is where your bark is. Sorry, your hand gestures for anyone in the live audience. I'm assuming they may or may not be laughing along with me, but no, no, I'm not I'm... sure what he's doing. But it doesn't look like a tree to me. <laughs> and then it's got roots. Oh, okay. it's got some roots. It's got roots. Okay. So and you've a got trunk. Are you yeah. with are you with the metaphor? Okay. <laughs> If I didn't have a soundtrack, I, I think I'd be on the wrong podcast, but yes. Anyway, so your your brain, along with everyone else's, apart from certain people in government, in, in politics, um, have got these two. And uh, the idea is, this is, this, is, this is the bit that I want to share, because I think it's really fun. So our life, from birth to this point in our lives, is about tuning and pruning tuning and pruning makes sense these trees right so the brain is absolutely brilliant it's brilliant at pruning what you don't need you know that term use it or lose it mm -hmm. so if you don't use your brain you know if you're not going out there and looking for stuff and being more aware mm. um your brain just basically goes I oh, can't be asked today. And it sort of lops off one of those branches because there's absolutely no point in it. It's gone. And it, often it's gone forever. Now, um, the tuning, the tuning idea is that you practice and you work on stuff, you notice stuff, you do big thinking and you go and, you go and make things, you create things. Uh, you know, you do those mathematical equations. Well, you might, I might not. Um, you know, you learn to play the banjo. You make all sorts of amazing um, decisions in your life. Um, and you get active. And then that's your brain tuning. Uh, when, when you're not thinking about it, your brain is automatically pruning. So a healthy brain, a healthy mind, is one which remains active, builds itself greater pathways, bigger, bigger, flourishing trees. And the, and the, more, you, the more you do that work, you do that work in your brain, the more healthy your neurons become. And all the other things, like the synapses between all of these interconnecting neurons all of that becomes more fluid and more healthy and you end up with this fantastic network um, which is your brain so the idea the old idea of left brain right brain is nonsense it's it's this fabulous network uh, that you can really turn on or it turns itself off but not completely just in parts um, and I want to ask you a question just to, just to wrap this up, because I think we can connect it into the world of leadership and work quite nicely. 
I, I'm quite fascinated about how we can apply this in some of our work. Um, I want to ask you this question, Ant, and it is, what is, what is the purpose of a brain? You really think about it, what is the purpose of a brain? I <clears throat> will use a technology metaphor, I guess, to articulate myself roughly here, which would be to process and therefore analyze and reach decisions with information we receive, plus the brain is there to store that information, the information we received and the conclusions we've made from it. That's completely I off the think, cuff. No, I'd say, I, and I, I'm sorry to have thrown that at you without any practicing, but uh, hey, why not? You know, it's, this is just a conversation. But, yeah. um, and I would have answered that question probably in the same way if I hadn't read this book by Lisa Fieldman Barrett. And her definition uh, of the purpose of a brain is budgeting the resources for the body. Budgeting the resources for the body isn't I know, that, I know that's it, quite interesting. I think it is. It, it, and forgive me because I know this is going slightly off piste with the leadership spin on this. But therefore, if we are not to your previous definition of pruning, if you're not using, mm. is there is there therefore in her mind a, a, a method to longer lasting lifetimes given that you are constantly engaging your brain to budget the body responsibly to ensure you have longevity because i've you know this has got no this is purely based on my stupid simple view on life but isn't it interesting how politicians seem to live far longer than most other people but it's not because they're academic it's because they're constantly processing and making decisions and therefore, is their brain therefore more active? Um, and therefore, does that provide them with, you know, I mean, uh, there's, a, there's always examples, isn't there, of relatives retiring and four weeks later they're dead because they, yeah. they, they their body prunes the wrong branch. Um, but anyway, what's, what's, what's her take on that then? Well, so I think it's, um, to use that well overused term, it's, it's, it's sort of a, a holistic, isn't it? it? It's about the physical, it's about the mental, it's about all, all the resources. So this, this brain on top of your body, you know, we walk around with these brains and these brains actually are serving the body. I always had this idea that the body was serving the brain. You know, the, the body just took our brains into meetings and, and took us to the golf course or took us sailing or, you know, they just transported our brain around. But now I'm realising that it's actually the other way around. The brain is there purely, purely uh, to budget the resources for your longevity and for you to sow your seeds. Uh, I'll leave that there. Um, and well, that's fine. We've got ten kids between us, so that's yeah. Fine. So we've done our work. Um, oh we've God, done. Our... I hope it doesn't prune the wrong flipping branch on that basis. Then, <laughs> so um, the, the budgeting those everything, every act that you will do today will be about uh, budgeting your resources. So eating, uh, walking, drinking. Uh, it's it's all your brain is actually working out what you need. It's got a little bit distorted in parts with drug taking and boozing and Speak for yourself or boozing, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So sometimes we get it a little bit wrong. Um, but bear in mind, I'm halfway through the book, but I just wanted to put this into this podcast because I think it's really interesting in thinking about as leaders in organisations. Um, you know, how does how does that actually get us thinking about utilizing the pruning um, of brains? Um, and I, I just think it's a really, really great idea. Well, if um, our team's the brain, I would be interested to see where the pruning metaphor goes with your people being these tentis neurons. Yeah, but but, um, but but as an organization, what do we need to prune? Because we we make cuts, don't we? In organizer, we you know we we prune um, our organization all the time to make sure that it's running really efficiently, um, and we tune parts of the organization just gradually, little tunes all the time, just tuning, tuning, tuning. 
I think organizations do that kind of really crazy radical stuff. Sometimes it's necessary, but on the whole, my experience is seeing organizations just, you know, they go from one management style to another management style. For example, um, they go, they go, oh, we must, we've got to localize. So everyone, then they, they appoint local people and then they go and make it all centralized. And that changes on a regular basis. And it's very damaging. But, but this idea of tuning and pruning uh, actually starts with the, with the brain. So what do you need to prune and what do you need to tune uh, in your brain uh, every day? So for the coach, for example, uh, I, I, I think that's quite a useful kind of metaphor to think about, you know, what do you, what do you need to lose? What, what can you afford to lose? What, what do you need to invest in? Uh, where do you need to practice? I think you, you, um, you talk always enthusiastically around coaching being removing um, interference to optimize performance. Yeah. And um, I guess you could use the pruning piece in the interferences, as in which bits of the neurons actually are distracting you because it's in your conscious thinking too much, where actually it's therefore debilitating the neurons that need to be more focused on and then it's lacking the ability to create new neurons based on new ideas because you're too distracted by the neurons that need to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. So that's it. I don't, I, I just, I just wanted to build that into our language because I thought that was quite useful um, for, for conversations. We, we can let, we can prune that or we can yeah. tune that. What do we need to do? Like it. Prune or tune. Um, Prune or folks, tune. Yeah, tune in are, next time. Uh, for those of you in the audience, by the way, if you have any listener questions, you can submit them and you do get priority over the pre-recorded submitted questions. Um, so if you do have a listener question or any comments about what we're talking about, we will always try and read them out as we did last week. There was a, quite a bit of a flurry of noise in the audience last week, which was always nice to see. Um, next then, Mr. Bradley, I want to... I, I think this this kind of feeds into the 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 analogy of too many cooks spoil the broth. But I news this week, and I'll quote the headline: "Lack of leadership prolonging COVID pandemic," says top scientists, warning the UK and US are heading back to square one. Um, and effectively, this article talks about a lack of leadership essentially debilitating. Um, uh, the world from embracing what we now need to do. But of course, we all know that the world is is more than one business. If we we're to put it into business context, which I guess is what the base of this podcast is, how often is it that you and I have run separate departments in a business? And if there is no overall leader taking the lead, then naturally there's going to be lots of silos of leadership that may be pulling in different directions. And I thought, JB, it might be useful to talk about the octopus metaphor, which may be the cause of leadership not necessarily being out there um, in the mind of the world, um, which is what's causing this prolonged pandemic. Equally, is the lack of leadership creating division of opinion, or is it actually that division seems to be much more prolific now in a post-Trump Brexit, left-right, woke world. What is it that's causing this? You know, I guess. Look, what what leadership lessons can we draw on to either agree with this scientist or disagree, or are the things that can be done? Because if I'm totally honest, I'm not sure any politician right now would want to be a leader of a world nation. There's no way I'd want to be PM of the UK or president of the US. Forget it. Because how are we ever going to get united? beliefs and vision with what's given is the current situation. But I thought that and the octopus might be useful to kick about. Mr. Bradley, you're thinking. Jimmy, the pandemic, the leaders and the octopus. Yeah. Um, and, pick, and Pick your weapon. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the pandemic and the human race, who's winning? Who's winning at the moment? I guess it depends on what you define as, as a win. Is it the death rate? Is it um, the infection rate? Um, is it the battle against it and the vaccination rate? Uh, I, um, I, would, I would call the human races winning, and I don't think we're celebrating the successes enough because there's too much political point scoring across the globe. Um, I think 
the EU has very helpfully torpedoed AstraZeneca's reputation early days. And interestingly, again, and I'm not going to get in because it gets very, we, we kind of blur into politics here, don't we? But, you know, AstraZeneca, it's interesting that the hospitalizations in the UK is far lower than the rest of the Europe as a percentage of vaccinated population. Forget the vaccination rates. But ironically, the majority of the UK had AstraZeneca as their first double vaccines. And yet they have a lower hospitalization rate than those with other vaccines. Now, of course, AstraZeneca are then coming out saying, well, ours actually has a better, you know, uh, concept, etc. But I do think that actually there has not been enough consensus of leadership to give a world, one world message. There was at the beginning. I felt at the beginning, this is the beginning of a real good renaissance of, of, of peace across the globe. Apart, you know, and, and let's put, uh, Trump was in charge, of course, at the time, which was causing some issues. And China, of course, was very frustrated at being labeled the China virus, etc. But actually, I did feel that quite quickly in the UK, JB, I don't know what your thoughts were, but it was for the first time where I felt actually um, the Labour Party, who are the opposition party in the UK, the Scottish National Party and the Conservative Party, who currently govern our country, United Kingdom, at least, um, were united. Stay at home. Stay safe. Save. Oh no, was it? Stay at home. Stay. It was. Yeah, I forgot that there've been lots of different things, but it was clear and it was united. But then politics of leadership came into play. You know, the Scottish National Party refused to use. You know, um, wash your hands, cover your face, uh, save the NHS, whatever. They, there was a, just nuances to be deliberate, and I think it caused a blurred vision across the UK. Then, of course, there's been anti-vaxxers that have come out. And I think, uh, and actually, if you if you rewind the news coverage at the beginning, everyone listened and trusted the scientists. And the scientists said, if I recall, we don't want to lock down too early because there will be compliance fatigue the longer this goes on. So actually, by doing this now, you may think it's crazy, but actually, let's do it now. And, don't, you know, there's going to be judgment, I'm sure, for years to come. Equally, of course, we've now got all different nations. Are you still there, JB? Your, your picture's frozen. He's gone. Well, I'll carry on rambling until he returns. Um, you've still got um, a situation where Ooh, nations... No, I'm here. Can you oh, hear you're me? Back. Oh, no. You're, yes, yes, you're back, I think. Your picture's still frozen. Okay, I'm switching. Keep talking. Okay. You've now got different measurements of, of success and failure around the world as well. And I think all of this is a too many cooks spoil the broth moment. And JB's octopus metaphor here is actually if the world is one octopus and each tentacle or leg is a nation or a continent they're all pulling in different directions they're not swimming in harmony and i think that is that can be then applied to just the uk with opposition and we naturally labor and conservative tend to be generally aligned although they'll critique moving too quick moving too slow etc etc but i i think that the lack of leadership is because no one no one wants to, you know, Biden, you know, you could argue is, is leader of the free world, as they like to call themselves. But even I think he's now having to tack a little bit more Republican-y because they want to be seen as, well, we are we, we look at ourselves first. And I think that, that there is no one in the world that seems to be the figurehead that everyone in the world trusts and believes. The scientists are being questioned. Politicians are being questioned. Um, it, it, it's, I think it's impossible, but maybe you have a different view now. Your signal is returned, I believe. Well, I, I, my interconnecting tentacle um, went off, um, but I, I've now switched to my phone. I, I, on is that working? Can you hear me? Okay. Mm -hmm. Amazing, this isn't it? So I'm in the shed. I'm in my shed at the bottom of the garden, and I'm now talking to you on a phone. Um, High definition well, microphone. Off my phone. Yeah. It's just brilliant. Um, anyway, so Ant, uh, let's have a look at the original question. Your your question was was uh, you know about what uh, lessons the pandemic. Can lead, and, lead, yeah, and what can we what, what can we learn from that? And um, to incorporate the idea of the octopus, which which we will now do. Um, but I just wanted to go into that question about who's winning the pandemic or mankind. Um, and I think the pandemic's winning. And the reason I think the pandemic's winning is so far we've had 266 million cases across the globe. 
Um, roughly 5 million people have died as a result of COVID across the globe. Um, the pandemic keeps coming back and back and back. We can uh, use Pfizer, AstraZeneca, um, to uh, and Moderna, is it Moderna? Moderna, whatever the, the other. Moderna, loads more the coming. Therapy, yeah, Moderna, yeah. yeah. There's loads more coming through. There's a tablet starting soon, isn't there as well? Yeah, that, that's right. So um, until until we get uh, a truly global uh, response to the pandemic, the pandemic uh, COVID will keep on winning. Um, it'll 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 work its way through um, and keep keep killing as many people as it can I, I why why is that happening uh god knows um but um i i think if one looked at it in uh in some way i think it, it just might be something to do with with the with mother nature um responding to uh mankind in some way but I, i'm not going to go there because it's all too weird um i think the point you were making about uh you know the the octopus is the octopus is a is a is one of the most brilliant uh sentient beings you could ever possibly come across it is highly intelligent uh and it it, it lends itself to to the most brilliant business metaphor and and here it goes so you've got uh a, a normal octopus uh that uh, can actually do extraordinarily dynamic things. It has got a normal-sized head, and it's got eight tentacles. All are able to regrow, rebuild, uh, if one of them gets chopped off, falls off, or whatever. Uh, there is, um, oh, there's there's from the no normal book, uh, we have the, the, the design of the octopus, and is now showing the no normal leader book, Written by William Rogers, Jonathan Bradley, and Dave Cool, the leadership habits, <laughs> habits necessary to thrive in a no normal world. So the we we use the octopus in that book really just to kind of look at um, the the things that you need to do and whether we we're putting the focus of control in the head of the octopus or in the tentacles. Um, now, in order for that. Uh, to work, uh, you have to think about where is the communication coming from, where are the values, uh, what is the purpose, um, and you know where is that where is that um, actually coming from the head, or is there a boatload of autonomy going on um, inside each of the tentacles? So if you imagine uh, an organisation where it's very centrally controlled this octopus probably would have a very large head. It would have a, a large head and small little tentacles with little autonomy in each of those uh, eight areas. So, so the, this business model has eight centres uh, that have their own autonomy. They do their own thing. The risk of that, of course, is that they might swim in different directions. And they'll be like a kind of federation of small businesses doing their own thing, but not necessarily swimming in the same direction. You can imagine that that would, rather than the octopus going out and getting its lunch, it would probably end up being lunch because it wouldn't be going anywhere. It would be rotating round and round and round, ready to be swallowed up. So the alternative then uh, is to give the octopus its head give it a giant head, um, give it control, and allow it to do what it needs to do. So off it swims. But its tentacles aren't very strong. So it's kind of just going very slowly, uh, perhaps in the wrong direction, perhaps in the right direction. Again, it's lunch. It's not going to have its lunch. It's lunch. So how do you, how do you get it right? How do you get the right size tentacles and the right-sized head. The pandemic, I think, has created some confusion over the locus of control, the locus of responsibility. Is it, is it that uh, the control is with the individual? So we are empowered to make the right decisions about wearing a mask, 
uh, about social distancing, uh, going out, having a Christmas party, uh, when we probably shouldn't be having a Christmas party with all our mates. Um, you know, I think we've had an enormous amount of confusion uh, over whether, whether we've got the autonomy uh, to make these decisions or whether we should stick to some guiding um, set of rules uh, that make sure that we are making sure that we, we lock down and we lock down effectively, stop the pandemic at the borders, uh, wear masks, get uh, our booster jabs um, and see this thing off. I still feel, having said that, that we're not working as a, um, a global, um, we haven't got a global strategy. And as long as we have places in the world that are not being inoculated, uh, we're going to continue to face uh, more pandemics and probably cleverer ones uh, that we need to be really, really smart about. So back to the octopus, uh, where's the balance between local responsibility and control versus a government that um, actually sets out with some clarity the right rules and then however many countries there are in the world um, actually adopting the same sort of strategy, uh, not disjointed, all joined up and making sure that we get the response to the pandemic on a global level. That includes uh, making sure uh, that we get uh, the whole of the world uh, inoculated. That is not happening and we're going to continue to have this risk until uh, we do that. I'm not sure we've... That's the end of my sermon. Yes. Um, I, yeah, it, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I, I still think that um, if we were to use leadership lessons where businesses have not aligned and their departments are going off in individual directions, it requires somebody at the top of that organisation to, um, to inspire a vision and communicate it effectively, which is what I think there has not been a united leadership from across the globe. Um, and there isn't a united um, strategy, which is also difficult. And I think, look, I think it, we would be crazy to try and suggest we know what's best here, but what we can certainly say from experience is, if there are things that are not happening in your business that are seemingly failing and drifting and prolonging because there is this lack of leadership direction, what better case study than what we are seeing in the world right now? And I think it's so important so that true. where possible as leaders, we right now need to have that vision and campaign it tirelessly um, and, 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 you know, and have the facts and the data points. Um, you know, as, as we've talked about, you know, while some country, our belief is, while some are not vaccinated, it's going to go on. Of course, some of you would say, well, people with COVID, um, that, you know, our death rates in the UK, for example, are significantly high. Well, they're not. Actually, you'd say it's because there's, there's um, you know, we have it even if it appears on the death certificate within 30 days of a positive test. Whereas actually, if those people <laughs> were on death's door anyway, um, this was the, 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 the straw that broke the apple's back. The camel's back even. Uh, additionally, I'm led to believe in the UK at the minute, 90% of hospitalizations are from vaccinated, uh, sorry, unvaccinated people. Um, so only 10% are vaccinated. And of the vaccinated hospitalizations, 84% of them are over the age of 80. Um, so, you know, there's a very small minority here. And, and again, they at the beginning of the pandemic, we were told um, with underlying health conditions, they've dropped that statement now, which I, I find interesting because of course their hope is to then drive more people towards vaccinations but i think the lack of information the lack of clarity and communication is actually what's causing the the conspiracy theories actually if we're a bit more honest about the data and campaigning and communicating that effectively i suspect it would shut the conspiracy theorists up um and again because there almost seems to be a competition of well we've had a lower death rate well, who give you know what any deaths are death i'm sorry it's it's sad but we're all inevitably going to die 
trying to hide behind the, the mathematics. And what, you know, we still don't have a league table every year of the flu deaths, but I'm led to believe we lose far more people to flu than we do to COVID. I'm not suggesting, by the way, don't get vaccinated, but we have vaccinations and we all believe in those vaccinations. But I still think we, we, um, we, we need somebody to pull together the world much like the economic crash of 2008 someone needs to broker a we need a united vision here guys and we're Vladimir gonna... Putin yeah and there, scenario and if there are any um <laughs> audience members from Russia on the web last day the podcast then feel free <laughs> um we, we have uh 18 minutes remaining of our time together today we have a listener question and I also wanted to pose the pay rise question um timing wise in December often uh, many organizations are going into an end of year performance conversation cycle, which culminates in an end of year rating, most probably. And sometimes those ratings can impact the potential pay rise you or I may achieve next year. Of course, coming out of a pandemic, um, many businesses will say, well, we need to be careful about overspending. Um, but then equally inflation, I know in many parts of the world is going up astronomically right now. Gas prices are going up, which is ha causing harm. So, you know, our fuel costs are increasing. Therefore, that has a knock on effect to all the goods that are delivered via fuel and cooked, etc. And therefore, you know, we have these difficult situations. But of course, your bosses may not have empowered you as a leader to have that budgetary control. I remember three years ago, I was told you can give pay rises, but you've got to find that within your people budget. Exit someone, and there's your pay rise pool. Ow. Okay. And then I was also told, you know, that's your budget. You've got to find the savings yourself. At least I had some control, arguably. In other businesses, I know that you have this pot of money. But if in my world, I had a multinational team, a thousand pounds pay rise in Serbia was a 15% pay rise potentially. In the UK, it was probably 0.4%. Probably an exaggeration. We get my point, right? <laughs> um, so how do we as leaders manage these conversations? And JB and I had a quick question from one of our webinar audience members yesterday. And, and JB, I thought maybe you'd like to give your take and then I, I can give in mine and we can see it. And by the way, if you in the audience, you have any of these situations yourself, feel free to pump in the chat box and we'll, we'll keep your, your responses anonymous um, on this basis. Cause I know how sensitive pay season is. Well, I, do you know what? I think this conversation pulls everything together, you know, tuning, pruning, um, you know, the octopus, the, the local control, um, the one size fits all coming from the center which is that we are all going to take this sized pay cut across the board, um, regardless of uh, what the discipline or, you know, whether it's operations, whether it's um, accounts, whether it's sales, whatever it is, we're going to take a 5% a cut. We're going to take a 10% cut across the board. Uh, and as managers, you've got to um, make that cut happen. Um, or... Uh, you know, put your cases forward. Uh, so we're going to do some pruning of certain parts of the organisation um, and some tuning of others. Pruning being we actually will be cutting salaries um, and the tuning uh, may be that we might be increasing salaries uh, in certain parts of the organisation, either because historically they haven't had um you know sufficient um they haven't kept up uh with the rest of the organization's increases over the years or because we need to recruit uh better better people more fit um and skilled to do the jobs that we need them for um if if the latter was presented to me as uh, a leader in an org as part of an organization and I could see the rationale for tuning and pruning I think that would that would be easier for me to sell funnily enough than a one-size-fits-all universal cut across the whole organization because I would be able to understand that we need to uh, actually make sure that the organization 
uh, is run efficiently and effectively. And we need to recruit uh, the most dynamic and most effective people into the organization, which might mean that we have to increase salaries uh, to, to recruit those and to retain those in the organization. Which takes me really to my next point, which is what came up in the uh, webinar yesterday, is from my own experience, people coming to me wanting increases in salary, it was usually some sort of retrospective. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, therefore I need to be paid that. Um, my, my, my difficulty with that is it's gone. It's history. It's done. I want to see what happens in the next quarter, the next six months, the next year. Um, and I actually want to, to see what you're bringing to the party. So in what way are you developing the skills in yourself to support the business or your team or this effort? That we're, How is this going to contribute to the business? What are the targets? What, what, what's the meaningful payback? win for the organization if you're part of the area that we're going to put funding into because we see it as an area for our expansion our very survival um, then i am able to look at this with a degree of flexibility and sensitivity um, but where there are people coming to me uh, looking for an increase in an area where there is just no potential growth um, and actually maybe that employee this is so harsh for me to say but that employee group uh, they are to a penny we can get these coming into the business at any time it, in in difficult times of change and uncertainty I think we need to be really honest about this I think we need to be really dynamic and not do one size fits all and actually prune and tune and get people understanding that's what we need to do as a business. You've raised a lot of points and I'd love, I'd love to have interjected at the points you were making those points because you've then you've told a story. Um, I can't kind of... It's a bit harsh. Some of yeah. it's harsh. Um, so so a cu couple of comments in response to your, your words there, JB. Uh, and, and largely I agree with there are some things I disagree with. I think to link it back to the previous story around lack of leadership, I think, unfortunately, there is an awful lot of people in a business right now that go to their leader for a pay rise because they see their counterpart teams getting significant pay rises. And how is it that their boss is managing up with successfully, but my boss is not? Um, and I no. think there is there is some challenges there. And I think there needs to be some leadership from the top here. Um, now, interestingly, JB also made reference to, um, you know, some parts of the business doing well, other parts not doing so well. And, and that is right. And I think there needs to be an honest conversation if we're going to, I know JB loves to bring him back in his books where possible, his uh, his his academia, which um, sometimes confuses me, but other times resonates. And in this instance, it's resonated. But I, I do think that we need to understand that actually we need to reward pay rises to people we want to retain. Um, and the, there are bits of the business that might need pruning. Um, but of course, what we have to be mindful of is there has to be some degree of fairness. And I think, unfortunately, if there is a poor performance culture in your business where there isn't performance conversations and actually you've given me a four out of five performance rating for this year end, and yet I'm not getting a pay rise. Maybe the business needs to really consider what responsibilities those individuals are doing, which can give them an aspirational goal to go towards. I don't know how the ratings are curated in your businesses, but actually the problem is, is that if an individual believes they are stretching themselves beyond the role of the and the responsibilities yet that still's not good enough in the eyes of the business to receive a pay rise they need to understand what is so i think there is a great resignation going on in the world right now mm. um and this is where people are resigning in their droves for a change of life post pandemic they want more flexibility there is a new generation of workers coming into our workforces during this pandemic which are now going to come and sneak up and scare the shit out of all of us because they want to be managed very differently to how our predecessors and other generations did previously and all of these people put together presents a real challenge to businesses do we go to a more bonus-led bonus-led culture with their lower basic 
to a bonus ratio, which retains your people, or do people want stability? I don't know what the right answer is, but what I do know is that you need to have conversations with your people right now. If you can't give them a pay rise today, ask them to come to you with what they want to have in a year's time. So you can then go back to your boss saying, look, boss, I know that pay rise aren't going to happen this year. I want to give these people an incentive in writing that means objectively they have a right to claim a pay rise in a year's time. That will buy you some time for your business to sort their shit out before they start losing these people. If people don't feel that there is, ever, you know, if and, and we the question that I had in a webinar this morning, I was on with Joe, JB, someone was saying, we've not had a pay rise in three years. Um, you know, and I think we had we've had that on our managing upwards conversations before yeah. as well. Yeah. That 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 was you and me yesterday, wasn't it? I think that came yeah, out. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, so if people have pay fatigue now and they're fed up of being promised, you know, and and I have worked in businesses where they're going, come on, guys, we can get there, knowing for well that and I was at a senior enough level knowing for well, we will never get there. But if they tell everyone to give up on this year, let's focus on next year, then they're gonna be even further adrift from their number, which then probably means cuts comes in Q1. How the hell do I then drive a message of push to the line knowing for well that we're not going to get it you know so there's there's a real a big conundrum here folks but what i would recommend you do around pay conversations right now is if you don't have a capacity of making pay rise decisions or people are disappointed with their pay um then i you need to have a conversation now i want to caveat all of that with actually only 17 percent of resignations happening right now as i understood it in a survey i saw last week only 17% of people are leaving as a result of insufficient pay. So that means 83% are leaving for other reasons. Bad boss, lack yeah. of opportunity and development. Yeah. So please don't overlook pay as being the single silver bullet. I get, it you're, yeah, I get it you're frustrated, but if I was offered the opportunity to have a promotion in two years' time to a bigger role that allows me to have that bigger salary, that probably is a bigger reason to stay than just give me a pay right to stay in my current role. I think you raise a, a really important point there about um, learning and development and, you know, people taking massive responsibility for their future learning and development. Uh, and how's that going to benefit them? How's it going to be benefit the business? Um, if, if that can be more specific, that th this is my intention uh, to fulfill this um, course, to do this bit of learning, um then once i've done that i will expect to be paid more money and and actually having achieved that i know that i will be more attractive uh to other organizations let's be honest about it mm. um so either as an organization we can help you to leave in two years time with those additional qualifications or skills or, or we buy your we buy what you're saying and by then we we will be in a position to pay you uh not necessarily that amount but we can pay you this amount now that to me i think it's getting it really really um out there and honest and transparent i just worked for organizations where there was so much skullduggery so much confusion and and you know uh, what do we used to call it? Um, compare despair. Uh, you know, where this this kind of ridiculous, relentless comparison to what you thought other people were being paid. I did have um, an, a, a really interesting situation in an organisation that I will not say which one it was, um, but the, um, the CEO managed to publish everyone's salaries um, by oh, sending out an email uh, that that actually unfortunately went to everybody and had in the, the organization i think i think he'd sent a whole load of information to the whole company and everyone in it and then sent an email to other senior very senior people about salaries uh, for the for the coming year which included information about what people have been paid now uh, it created a hiatus in the organization. And it was very interesting uh, how people responded to it. I have to admit, I was feeling quite shocked um, about my position. What about me? 
Um, but others were so hacked off, so mm. hacked off for a while. But do you know what? After about a year... Um, and, and Everyone a, had left. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? So the people that weren't being paid as much in equivalent positions as me, I have to be honest, they were a bit shit. So, you know, their pay was actually in this organisation. And they were in, still there, I presume. They were still there. Their pay was an indicator of how they were viewed and how important they were in the organisation. Now, I don't know whether that's right or wrong, whether I should say that or not. I don't so, know. JB's saying, if you're a managing director of a business, please email out the payroll salaries for all your employees to all employees. And then say, oops, sorry, that was an accident. Um, and then see what happened. No, I'm not suggesting that at all. But, you know, it's quite, it's just interesting about getting as much honesty and transparency you can get into this uh, area of future potential for the business and um, remuneration. So we have three minutes remaining, JB, and we have a listener question, which we put off last week, so we can't uh, uh, okay. ignore them this week. So the listener question from Tabitha in Surrey, UK. Um, what film would you recommend that demonstrates poor or good leadership lessons? So I'm guessing it's a, a movie film rather than a documentary film. Um, what film would you recommend um, for me to watch, which gives good and bad examples of leadership or leadership lessons? Um, Wolf of Wall Street, if you're over 18, is a fascinating view of of sales leadership. Um, it's probably lessons of things what not to do. Um, that would be my take. Weren't you talking about someone the other week that you said there was a character in a movie and they said, you know, I think it was actually Joe Shepard that told me that. You need to watch this because this character, this is definitely what I think Devil Wears Prada possibly. Anyway, I don't know. I, I'm not a big film, film, movie buff, if I'm honest. I, I'd rather put on some music. Any suggestions, JB? In, oh in the chat goodness. box, if you any in the audience have any suggestions, feel free to stick them Do in. Do you know, I, I went to see June recently. Not June, my mate down the road, but yeah. June, the <laughs> film. And um, that, you know, may be uh, quite interesting. So the plot basically is um, there's this place in the universe um, where spices um, kind of float about in the air and land in the sand um, in the desert. And it, the, these spices are very, very important for, for universal travel, literally traveling around the universe. Um, and therefore, it's like gold, this stuff. And people compete uh, to own uh, the rights to sell these spices. Anyway, the contract with, with one gang, one tribe, ends and the new tribe comes in. And the new tribe is a really good tribe. They're really good people and everything. Um, however, the locals in the sand the little sand men and women uh, who ride around on great big sandworms, by the way, which is quite weird. Uh, they don't like this. Now, I don't know whether they had a proper honest conversation with the sandworms and the sand people whose name escapes me before they went and took this place over and, and got all the mining rights uh, to the, you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> <laughs> to the spices. Don't need to watch the film now, though. That's handy. <laughs> oh no! Oh my God! No, but I no, I haven't. No, I haven't killed it. There's loads more uh, to this uh, because you don't know the outcome. But I guess the point the point that I'm raising here is that sometimes uh, people don't have enough honest conversations in life at work. Interesting. We need to have more honest conversations. And then I think all the shit that happened in that film wouldn't have happened, but then it would have been a really shit film. <laughs> Ladies and gents, our hour is up. If you have listener <laughs> questions next week, we are running a listener question special. So submit your leadership questions to global leadership podcast at gmail.com, or you can email me at Anthony at um, or GLP at Seedle.com as well. Um, and we will come to those questions next week. Um, in the meantime, Mr. Bradley, an exciting headline of what you might be up to next week in the interest of 15 seconds remaining? Um, well, I think uh, I will be growing my head and polishing my tentacles. Blimey. 
um, Christmas preparation and my daughter, my eldest, turns a significant age milestone, which will keep oh. quiet for now. Oh, I tell you what, I t- I'm feeling very smug. I have actually bought my wife's Christmas present already. All of mine are down there. Are uh, you yeah, doing already? Well, so, so on, on Saturday last week, the wife took my sister-in-law into London for a Christmas kind of festive go around all the markets and things. And while they were in London, I thought, what do I bloody do with the, the many children we own? Oh. So I took them shopping to get their yeah. mother's Christmas present from them, which they all quite enjoyed. And we went to McDonald's for dinner. So it was all very happy day. You're a blah, good blah, blah, blah. dad. Well, yes. Aren't you? You're, you're yeah. brilliant. But if if I but anyway for the podcast listeners, if you want to burgle me between now and the the twenty the twenty fifth of December, Just it's uh, to the right hand side of my desk, and the floor is where they're all hidden. Uh, I've been Anthony Price, and I've been JB, and um, I will continue to uh, explore all the lessons about my brain and share as much as I can, if I can remember anything ever again. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>